The holidays are a moment of togetherness and joy and a reminder of how tradition creates happy and fulfilled communities. Make this holiday season patriotic with a visit to National Harbor and its stunning new Spirit Park. Marvel at one of the largest American flags in the region and beautiful displays of American art. Make this holiday season the most meaningful of all at National Harbor. Learn more at nationalharbor.com dash spirit park. Welcome to this week's episode of Conversations with Jeff. I'm really excited. We've got Pastor Bob Picard with us, and we're going to sit down and kind of have a fun conversation, so I'm looking forward to it. Welcome. Amen. Welcome. Glad I'm humbled to be with you this evening. Yeah, for sure. You know, and and the the thing is, is that I feel like, you know, we've kind of followed each other on social media for quite a while, and, you know, I know you were really supportive, even to me, even when I was stepping away from Worldview Weekend and kind of going out and doing my own thing, and you were always very supportive, and I've always been really appreciative of that, and so I'm glad we we could sit down and kind of chat and talk through a lot of things that we're seeing in the church. Amen, yeah, and there's a lot to uh, that we could possibly go through that uh, it, it isn't possible in the few hours or whatever we have here. <laughs> exactly. Hey, there's no time limit. So it's whatever yeah, happens, yeah. happens. So, so, well, yeah, I mean, just yeah. like I do every single week, I'd love to, you know, hear your testimony, how God saved you and has kind of been working in your life and that sort of thing. Amen. Well, you know, I think I probably have uh, almost a typical uh, salvation testimony. I grew up as a, a nominal Roman Catholic. I went to church on, you know, Easter and, and Christmas, if even that, but I did go through all of the catechism classes, and and uh, once I was all done through confirmation, basically that was the end of going to church. And then uh, then during high school, I I was one of the geeks at the time back when cut and paste really meant cut and paste. I was on the newspaper staff, mm-hmm. and in on the newspaper staff in high school, there were a couple of what you call at the time Jesus freaks. And man, I couldn't stand them, but I, I was stuck working with them, uh, editing and everything. And, uh, you know, so I, I rejected them and uh, their message and everything. And then I get out of high school and, and I'm working with this guy. And, you know, I'm trying to get some relaxation during lunchtime, our little uh, half hour of lunch break. I'm trying to catch a nap because I'm up late at night doing the, the, the things you do when you're 17 and 18 years old. And, and he kept on waking me up, telling me about Jesus. And I was like, just leave me alone. Well, that, that guy today is, he's one of my brother-in-laws. I married his sister. Okay, yeah. And and uh, so finally, finally after all all that, I said, you know, I'll read your stupid Bible. I say this all the time. Yeah. That's how I looked at it. The, I had no interest in the Bible whatsoever. And uh, I read it, put it down. You know, read the Gospel of John, didn't have any effect. I, I then went on sort of on a uh, a quest for, you know, finding God. I almost joined up with the Scientologists, took their uh, little lie detector test or whatever they call it now, and uh, joined up with the Worldwide Church of God for a while, explored the Baha'i faith, etc. And, uh, and finally, during that time of, of, uh, of studying the Baha'is and uh, the Worldwide Church of God, at the same time, I read the Bible for and really paid attention to what it said and just by divine providence i i turned to isaiah 64 6 and 
I found out that, wow, all my righteousness is this filthy rags. It's like, man, I, I thought I was a pretty good guy. Even with all those different religions, they, they kind of pump up yourself about how righteous you need to be. So all that left, all that aside and everything, way back before we had technology like this, I got involved in some uh, online uh, dial-up bulletin boards. I don't know if you remember those. You're probably younger than I am, of course. A little, yeah, a little bit, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and so I used to go on these uh, these Christian boards and and uh, and witness to witches and everything on there. And, and a local pastor at a uh, Pentecostal church said, you know, you really need to get involved in a church. And I had no idea about denominations at the same time. So I ended up getting involved with a uh, a uh, an Assembly of God church. And wouldn't you know it, who went to that church was my same brother-in-law that I rejected way back when. Well, I got saved during that time. I simply trusted the gospel message that I heard. And uh, I ended up uh, getting quickly into leadership there and uh, became an, an elder and a, and a Sunday school teacher, or actually the head of the Sunday school. And uh, and after that, I was reading, I happened to get in, in touch with getting on a mailing list by Dave Hunt. I got the Berean call. And what I was reading in there and reading in the Bible was starting to conflict with what I was getting even in, in the Assembly of God uh, Bible school. So I ended up, uh, long story short, ended up uh, leaving there and uh, dropping out and going to an a, a, uh, independent Baptist church. And uh, there I, I took some online uh, courses through, not online, correspondence courses uh, through Liberty University and uh, took the Schofield course through through Moody. And then uh, it's, it's, it's pretty neat how, how that happened. Well, that church ended up having some, some difficulties. The pastor left. There was a split. I said, I'm done with Christianity and Christians. Not Christianity, but, but Christians. They're a bunch of hypocrites. Right. So I ended, I ended, ended up uh, wanting to go on sabbatical, basically, and I wanted to do some writing, uh, mostly political at the time, when I decided to, to join with my family the church I'm now at. And uh, and wouldn't you know it, right away I was put into service. Well, good, I can I have somebody to take my place uh, when I leave. Was the the pastor that left, and 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 so there's a little bit of salvation there before, but uh, into the ministry I, I did some some a lot of pulpit supply, uh, at a couple different churches, one long term, uh, the the pastor of the church I was attending. Uh, uh, sadly, had to, to resign. I ended up getting uh, asked there to, to be the uh, interim pastor, and about two months later, I was asked to be the regular pastor, mm -hmm. and that was in 2011. Uh, so I had looked at opportunities to go to different places, Florida, North Dakota, and uh, never had really the peace of doing it. So uh, in a nutshell, I'm right in the town I grew up in. Okay, yeah. And, uh, ministering in a, in a in a small church we have a, a massive church growth over the last five years we went from 20 to 40 yeah that's doubling <laughs> in size yeah. yeah yeah so but uh but the amazing thing is that uh we don't we don't look at numbers and looking at how many people we can bring in the door and and how many people go out the door we look at building people up by the word of god yeah, and uh, that's been the great thing here, and what a I, I wouldn't have it any other way. Oh yeah, for sure, and I and I feel so, like a, I feel like a lot of times everybody's always 
uh, you know, focus on church growth and how do we build the church and how do we get people in and how do we, you know, all this kind of stuff. And it's just, why don't we focus on building up people and raising up people and helping them in their walk with Christ? And I feel like, you know, for, for whatever reason, it's the church, it's the pastors of smaller churches that I feel are doing it right. The more that I'm talking to more and more pastors, you know, you, you, uh, I think you're 100% correct. And, uh, we're up here in the uh in new england where it's been it's been called the graveyard of of preachers but i don't see that i you know we've had a lot of uh old-time revival here back in the 1700s and 1800s you know wesley and and moody and everybody but a lot of that a lot of that was built on emotionalism you know with charles finney and everything and and his doctrines uh a lot was built on emotionalism and rather than the word of god and uh so I, I don't know what I don't know what I'm trying to say now, but uh, <laughs> uh, but basically, basically, no matter where you're at, if if you stick with the with the scriptures, uh, it's a joy. Mm-hmm. There are some there are some trials, of course, uh, but but so much of the trials are weeded out by by simply adhering to the word. Right, for sure. You and, know. You know, and, and when you think about it, like you, you, you'd mentioned when you were sharing your story and that sort of thing that you were in an Assemblies of God church. And as you were reading scripture, you realized that there were some conflicts and contradictions and that sort of thing. What were some of those issues that you felt like, okay, I'm seeing this happening, but it's opposite of what I'm seeing in God's word? Uh, well, you know, getting back, that particular church was a, a rather conservative assembly of God, uh, yet they still believed in the, the perpetuity of the, the spiritual gifts and like and the like. I started to learn differently about that, about those those gifts and everything were for the Jews. The scripture says the signs were for the Jews. And so started to look at those differences. But the real kicker was uh, was the issue of eternal security. You know, the white pages, the white papers that he put out uh, were never clear. You know, you could have your have security in your salvation if you did A, B, C, D and E, et cetera. That's a, a kind of a quick uh, overview of that, mm-hmm. and uh, and the last the last issue, and this is something that's still prevalent uh, t- uh, today, and not just in Pentecostal churches, uh, extra biblical revelation and the like is is growing everywhere. It really is, and it's a it's a sad thing, and uh, there w- there was this one traveling evangelist that was visiting, and uh, like I said, I was starting to study the Bible and. And uh, see that this was wrong. What was happening? And and literally, we had one of these uh, face-to-face confrontations. I refused to go into this Sunday night service that he was at. And uh, so we we were an inner city church. So we we actually had one of our ministries was security. Where somebody was out in the hallway making sure some uh, ruffian didn't come in in the door. And I remember looking into the into the window of uh, the there was a front foyer with a with a glass window. And uh, he, he was looking at one of these things. He was looking at me. There's somebody that's with holding back the spirit of God. And I'm staring at him. He's staring at me. I walked out of that church that night. Yeah. And and I was good friends with the pastor and his family and everything. And uh, we went out out to dinner a couple days later. And I said, you know, man, I I'm out of here. What what happened on Sunday night was the last of of several things that were going on. He said when. When you were knocked out on the floor all that time, I said that was the end for me. See, he had, he had adhered to the word of God. He hadn't done 
those types of major things uh, before. There was speaking in tongues and stuff, but never uh, something like that had happened. And here's the words that stick with me. He, he said to me, he says, well, he says, I never would have thought it would be true, but while I was dark, while I was on that floor, I received two years of messages from the Lord. Mm-hmm. And that's what a, that was a tragic moment. Uh, I, I was out of there and uh, and then went into independent Baptist church for several years. And then that church uh, ended up having some changes and left. And I've been where I'm at as a member of the church from 2007 through 2011. And I'm, I'm just so blessed to have this congregation that uh, won't tolerate uh, uh, baloney like took place in those other places. Right, right. Mm-hmm. And, I, and you know, and I, I feel like a lot of times, especially those of us in the more conservative churches and that sort of thing, you know, we reject, you know, extra biblical revelation. We reject those kinds of things. But then you you still get some of that in the sense of, you know, somebody to say, well, God told me to do this or God said to do right. this or, you know, how, how do we um, differentiate between maybe the Holy Spirit working in our life versus the the legit extra biblical revelation that people are claiming that they're getting kind of a thing? How, how do we de- designate what's what's true, what's not or can we at all? It's it's a it's a tough one because I I do believe that the the Holy Spirit of God does prompt people, but to literally say, well, God told me, you know, A, B, C, and D specifically, I say, well, I wouldn't want to. Ba- I don't bank on that. You know, I'm not going to take that as gospel truth. Mm-hmm. Even though, like I said, I t- totally that people are prompted to do certain things, but uh, so many of the promptings need to come from from. Uh, growing in the word of god right i I like i like to emphasize the reading of scripture and and uh sometimes we don't understand what the scripture is is actually saying until we we see it over and over and over again and uh and then from there you can understand what's going on around you in light of what you've what you've read and what you're you're beginning to have understanding of so but but as far as as whether or not somebody hears from the word of God, uh, the, my baloney detectors go right up as soon as right. somebody says, well, God told me. Yeah. It's like a, an antenna goes up. Exactly. I get to, I get to have a, a check on that and see exactly what it is. You know, if it's like, well, I haven't talked to my aunt Mary in three months and I, you know, I think God told me to talk to her. Well, maybe that's a legitimate thing. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but if God is telling you that you're going to do great and wonderful things and, and uh, in his power, I'd be really skeptical of that. Exactly. And starting so, to predict the future and, and, oh, yeah, and all, yeah. the, all those kinds of things that we see oh. constantly within the church. Yeah. And it, it keeps on morphing into into worse things. It keeps on, on changing. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it was it was interesting. I was I was visiting a church um, uh, with with a friend several months ago. And, and the and the, the pastor was saying, you know, you know, he he was preaching the gospel, and it was interesting because like the gospel was pretty legit what he what he preached. But then he's sitting there and he's saying, "God's just telling me that there's one of you guys out there that just you know needs needs to come to Christ, and that you're gonna come up, and you know that all that kind of stuff." And then he literally waited 15 minutes, and nobody came up. And it's like, well, why would God tell you that somebody's gonna come up if it's not actually <laughs> gonna happen? <laughs> 
And and wouldn't you think that God would know specifically who that was that was going to come up? Exactly. Exactly. You would and, think and you would you would think he'd say it's yeah. it's so and so in the fourth in the fourth row and yeah. Yeah, yeah. All these all these guys saying there's somebody in the audience that has a a sore knee. Well, if if God if if it's God, God knows exactly who that is. Exactly. So, he's, he's not yeah, ju- he's not just dropping like hints and mysteries and all that kind of stuff so well you had also mentioned and this is interesting to me because you know i've been following uh leah remini's show on a and e about scientology the aftermath and kind of following that whole thing and you had mentioned that you know you took some of the testing and that and that sort of thing what was that like doing doing stuff with that you know it's well i'm glad i didn't get too far into it and uh i'd hate to say this but at the time I, I was a in my late teens. I was kind of looking for my place in this world. I, I I thought myself to be kind of a loner. And here they are, were in the storefront asking to give this. I don't even know what they call it nowadays, uh, or or back then. Mm-hmm. Uh, learn Dianetics, and it looked kind of interesting. Yeah. And it basically, the little machine it looks like a cheap imitation lie detector test, and I think it has the same. I think it has the same. Uh, answer for every single person that goes on to it yes you have you have thetans and cretans in your mind and you need to come (laughs) in and get them deprogrammed out yes l ron hubbard made a a wonderful uh religion out of bad science fiction exactly exactly but i I didn't get too far into it i I was trying to find uh something that i had written several years ago and i couldn't find it i had written about uh the the fallacy of of uh Dianetics and Scientology, how uh, your final uh, your, your final course, your final journey, so to speak, was you would go on, on a cruise and you would have to pay like five thousand dollars. We're talking, you know, nineteen eighty ish or so. Right. And uh, you would meet God on that cruise. And you know who God was? God was L. Ron Hubbard. Of course. Sitting in sitting in his little chamber in the middle of the ship. And uh, this is, of course, when somebody you know puts themselves up uh, to being as God. It's it's the utmost and blasphemy. Mm-hmm. And uh, and these people like Tom Cruise and everybody that's involved with it, you would think they would be smart enough to to know how wrong it is. Yeah. Unless well, it's it's interesting because you know, kind of hearing some of the different stories, and we and we know some people that have come out of Scientology and that sort of thing. Uh, it's interesting how when you look at it, it's all very gradual. It's just slowly building mm-hmm. on top of each other. So that right. way you accept, you know, one little thing and you're like, well, that makes sense. So then this next thing makes sense. And you see this in a lot of different cults. And, and right. a, even even when you're dealing with false teaching within like the church and with the Benny Hens and the Joel Olsteins and all that kind of stuff, same kind of principle. It's really, it's yeah, really exactly. interesting looking at that. Yeah, it, it all puts the emphasis not on Jesus, but it puts the emphasis on your uh, works, what you must do, how how much you must give, how much you have to uh, uh, to do, and that that's the very first thing to look for. Mm-hmm. Oh, by the way, uh, I, I think you guys out there, you guys ended up with it. We had the Boston Church of Christ okay. around here, which is now the Los Angeles something or other out there. Something, with Kip yeah, yeah. McKean, the whole discipling movement, it's the same thing. It looks so appealing until you understand their their misapplication of Scripture, and uh, they believe that they are the kingdom of God, and they, they believe that where Scripture is silent, unlike how we've always learned where you're going to be silent, they say, 
Well, where Scripture is silent, we can add in. So that's why they take uh, authority over individuals' lives, and 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 they call it radical discipling now, mm-hmm. because people fail to see the scriptures yeah. as as they say the context, the the great the great uh, phrase context, context, context. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's that's what's happening with them, and that can be tied with anybody. Yeah. Word of word of faith teachers. Everybody are all tied into taking things out of context and making application where there is none. Mm-hmm. So it's the same thing. Yeah, for sure. And I, and I know that you you take you know obviously you take the word of God very seriously, and you're 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 preaching expositionally and that sort of thing. What what is it about expositional preaching that you find either like the best or what what draws you to that? Well, you know it, it's funny because. As expositional preaching wasn't didn't come naturally uh, to me because uh, what you l- learn even like at Liberty University and different things at the time you'd learn homiletics you'd learn how to formulate a sermon and everything you have X amount of points and and uh, so many people learned alliteration I, I got to a point and I said well what why why am I looking trying trying to build this as my message why not just take and just highlight what God said and put it in context and and don't try to unpack it away from where it belongs but just treat it as it really means you mm-hmm. know and uh and to me it's it's uh it's not necessarily uh easier but the bible is an open book you know it's we it it's all self-explanatory you know so it's it takes the Focus off of you trying to be creative. You know, I used to kill me if I had four points that began with F, and boy, boy I can't think of a word that would be for for uh, fear without using the letter F. Yeah. You know, how can I do it? And then you suddenly, you know, reaching for points. And I think that's it. Maybe a minor error, but it, it starts people off in that course just subtly, mm-hmm. and and it goes into other areas as well. Yeah, for sure. And you know, and I and I feel like for me, one one of the benefits of expositional preaching when it's done right is that I almost feel like the pastor is walking through his own study of God's word and teaching the congregation how to study God's word as opposed to having to rely on the pastor for the source of the truth. The Bible's the source of truth. And that that's one of the things that I like about expositional preaching. Amen. Well, uh I think you might have seen my tweet that I put up yesterday. I found some uh, some secret sensitive uh, notes mm-hmm. that I put yeah, up. Yeah, I saw that. And uh, it's amazing because I know people, and I hope some of these relatives that go to a couple of these churches will <sighs> will tune into this and see this broadcast. They'll they'll come and they'll actually go around in small groups and study the passages, the the pastor's message, using the pastor's notes. Mm-hmm. So they have a predetermined. Uh, outcome of what the pastor wants rather than thus saith the Lord. Yeah. So, and, and that's what's happened. It's they, we used to call it outcome based education in the, in the system, mm-hmm. the school systems, you know, the, the government has a set agenda that they want to pass for education. That's what's happened with Rick Warren and this whole seeker sensitive movement. It's uh, actually done more to break up churches than anything else. Yeah, oh, that yeah. could be just my opinion, but but uh, it's uh, brought a lot of unity among falsity 
and uh, broken up a lot of good Bible-believing churches. Yeah. So it yeah, could be another it, whole issue, Rick Warren. But oh yeah, for sure. Well, you know, like like for me, like I I grew up in you know I I, ha- I went to a good or good solid Bible teaching church, and then the church ended up splitting because half the church wanted a more entertaining pastor, the other church wanted Bible teaching, and so it was this kind of thing. And then after college, I was a worship leader at a church, and this was before I was really paying attention to theology and what people are saying and that sort of thing. Well, our pastor would always have these really clean-cut sermons and all the points itemized and cool graphics this and that and the other thing. And then I, and then I find out later that he's just buying his sermons from Ed Young. And, oh, and so Ed Young <laughs> is preparing all these sermons, and you go on the website, you pay 50 bucks or 25 bucks or whatever it is, and you just download all the notes insert story here, insert story here, and there's your sermon. And, you know, last I saw, I think he sold it for, was it like $5 million or several million dollars that he sold his for-profit sermon preparation company. Right. But, but, you know, just even there, it's just, it's, it's just itemized point by point by point. It's has nothing to do with scripture. It's just, how do you, how do you make something that tickles your ears? Right. And uh, and you see the whole it's seemingly the whole church is going in that same direction. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's it it causes emotion. It causes people to to respond immediately. Yeah. Well, scripture doesn't always do that. It does sometimes. Mm-hmm. But uh, but it's the, the proper way of scripture being being taught. It should promote slow growth. I like to use the example of, uh, you know, the giant oak trees. You know, those didn't just grow up in just a day or two. They've been there for years, and that's how a Christian should be as well. Yeah. And uh, it could be years when uh, before you see somebody really, really taking hold of of the faith. You know, and and it's it's a patient uh, work. It's a labor of love. And but man, is it is it great when you see somebody that's been sitting under you saying, "Boy, you know." I've been I've been here for the last five or six years, and I think I'm starting to get it. I have peace in my trials, not because they get a rah rah message about how they can avoid stress at Christmas time, right? And and they can go off and then be right back on that same the the same uh, merry go round of sin. You know, it's it's just I like I like the uh, the whack a mole. Uh, term remember the the old whack-a-mole games yeah yeah you know this week it's stress bang (laughs) next week it's it's uh money bang and then another one pops up and you're going to keep on chasing your tail and whacking those moles right but if if you stick with jesus christ as the real center and of scripture and theology uh you get real growth and all you can have a hundred different moles come up and you're going to be focused on what the real source of of your strength is in, in, in the gospel. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, for sure. And, you know, and I feel like it's, it's a really good analogy with the whack-a-mole. Cause I feel like that's kind of what we're seeing in the church right now, as we're looking at it, you know, we're seeing social justice pop over here. We're seeing, you know, right, the whole right. homosexuality popping up over here. We're seeing just left and right, just something is, keeps coming up. And I just wonder how much of it is just that the church isn't, educated on what god's word says because pastors don't preach from the word amen i i think we have i i heard someplace where we have more bibles available more study material of available than ever i mean just the technology 
we're using right here. I'm great. I can fire up my Logos uh, Bible app and stuff like that. And I have all these resources, but yet the, the church has gotten dumber and dumber and dumber mm-hmm. because it's focused on flesh rather rather than on, on the word of God. For sure, and so, so like, let, let, like, looking at you know, because the main thing I, th- I think that we're really seeing in the church right now is the whole so- social justice issue that I think's been happening, and I feel like it's happening in politics, and now it's infiltrating into the church. Um, what, what, <coughs> what's your take on all of that? And from a biblical perspective, how do, how should we as Christians be interacting with people dealing with this issue? Well, uh, it's. It's a uh, coming into the church. It's just an extension of of in the government and the and the uh, uh, and talking about drawing blanks oh. <laughs> it, it, in in uh, in the economy and in government and in the church. It's just a natural extension of globalism. Now, I I, I think you've talked with Brandon House enough, and mm-hmm. I remember I read. Uh, the Keys of This Blood by Father Malachi Martin years ago, and uh, talking about the corruption in the Vatican. And uh, one of the things that he talked about was Antonio Gramsci, if, you, if you've heard of him before. Yep. Uh, the, uh, and Gramsci's philosophy was that, you know, let's not persecute the church, let's join them. Yep. And you could see that coming right through with, with John D. Rockefeller and, and forming the World Council of Churches the National Council of Churches, let's get the cross out of Christianity. And that's exactly what we have, part of that three-legged stool of globalism. Mm-hmm. And we're, we're, so it's a natural thing. Let's get focused on, on child trafficking or human trafficking, rather. Let's get focused on, and these are all horrendous uh, problems. But the church's, the church's focus should be on the gospel, and by, when I say the gospel, this kind of l- leads into another area. Uh, we tend to think the gospel is only for those who who are not believers. But Jeff, you and I, we both need the gospel. Yep, for sure. No matter what, we we need to be reminded all the time that we have a Savior that loved us and died on the cross for us. And that should be our focus right there. So the Satan has had a great master plan. Let's get in with all these issues. Mm-hmm. Let's divide people over these and make these the center point rather than the cross. Yeah. So I, I think it's simple. <clears throat> and the only way you can combat that is, is being consistent first in the church. And then with people that you see uh, outside as well that are involved. Like I said, I hope that I have relatives that are involved. Hopefully, they'll catch this broadcast. Yeah. Oh, somehow. yeah. Somehow, you know, for sure. And and in I feel like I feel like when we're dealing with you know issues like social justice or a lot of the a lot of these things that keep popping up left and right and that sort of thing, the church I feel like the, it just keeps shifting its focus from this to that to this to that. But it's like, but that's that's the symptom of the problem. The problem Amen. the problem is that like you were saying. There's no gospel in the churches anymore, and the pastors aren't preaching from the word. And I can't tell you how many churches that I've been to, and it's like, and then I get there, and I'm thinking, okay, 
when's the last time that I've heard the gospel? And there, there's one church that I went to in Arizona where they they actually did it right and they preached the gospel every single week and they made sure they did communion every, communion every week to remind right. us of why we're all here. And right. for, for whatever reason, it's like, why can't more churches, not that you have to do communion every week, but why can't we just be reminded of the cross constantly? Because that, I mean, right. if it wasn't for that, we, we would be completely lost. And I think that I think that that's a huge part of what's missing in the church right now. Amen. Yeah. Without without that, what well, you know, we where would we be mm-hmm. if I wasn't hearing about uh, you know? Of course, I have the the privilege of of declaring that you know a crucified and risen Savior. If we don't have that, we'd be just like everybody else. Mm-hmm. You know, but we'd be off looking for our own will. We'd be off looking to you know, well, how can God hasn't made me rich? Well. I have riches in heaven. I have yeah. riches in glory. You know, and that should be the focus, you know. Right. And uh the it's consistency, mm-hmm. uh patience, you know, and uh it's it just works. Mm-hmm. You know. Even though other people who would say it doesn't work, you know, what works is if you bring in the the rock bands and, and change the lighting and everything and, and make it more like a U two concert than a than a church. Yep, and that's exactly what it's like. If you've seen a U two concert, it's just like a a secret sense of social justice church. Yep, you know it's exactly that's what you get. Oh yeah, for sure. And and I think that you know for you know there's this entire just entertainment mentality that's happening within the church, but even outside of the church, but still within Christianity and that sort of thing. It's it's everything's become an industry. Everything's become, okay, how, how many people can we get in the door? How much money can we bring in? And how many ministries can we start and then have all this nonprofit free money basically flowing in as opposed to just actually getting in the trenches and preaching, preaching, Amen. preaching. And, you know, that that's what I appreciate about, you know, pastors like you. And I, you know, talk to, you know, guys like Steve Camp and, you know, different people that they're not pastors of mega churches, but you're in the trenches. You're preaching from the word. You're doing it right. And I just I wish that we could get more uh, more of the big name pastors to realize, okay, maybe this whole system is going to implode and it's not really doing what we want it to do kind of a thing. So, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, but but I but I think but I think dealing with (laughs) dealing with a lot of these issues coming up is do you think that more pastors and more churches should be giving some of the more topical sermons to focus on issues like social justice and homosexuality and that sort of thing, or just keep preaching in the word and just keep going through. I, I think there's a, there, there could be a time for social, for, uh, for topical uh, preaching. And there is, you know, we have a wonderful opportunity over the next couple of weeks with a holiday, which people call Christmas. We haven't, what a, what a topic that is. You know the incarnation of Jesus Christ, and so there are certain times. But I think what what happens if okay if if you are sticking strictly with topical, you're not you're not preaching to everybody. Well, my message is on on finances. Well, not everybody has a financial problem, so you're tuning out half the congregation right there. Right. So, but if you stick with if you stick with the scriptures. You have a, a true universal message. I like I like to think that uh, uh, you have, uh, a good biblical message. You can preach it whether you're in California 
nuclear or whether you're in Massachusetts here or if you're in Uganda, uh, the same message. And it's a timeless message. That's why you can go back at uh, some of the great preachers of old and it's still relevant today. Mm-hmm, for sure. You know, you mentioned you mentioned Ed Young. I remember, you know, how relevant are his uh, his 30 days in bed uh message is going to be across the world right. it might be relevant to that time and place or the the shark week message that he had a few years ago with baby shark do do you know how is that going to go in 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 russia right probably, no, don't, probably don't even st- know what a shark is <laughs> no right exactly but yeah. if you stick with with you know the the bible and sticking with it in an expository manner, it, it is truly a universal thing. Mm-hmm. So. Totally, and and I th- and yeah. I th- and and I think that you know when we're dealing with expository preaching and and that sort of thing, I think the other benefit is that when you think about it, you don't have to be have a lot of training. You don't have to be dynamic. You don't have to be anything. You're you're literally just this is what the Bible says. And I'm going to explain it. This is what the Bible says, and I'm going to explain it. And I and I feel like that's that's kind of the model of the of the New Testament. Like when you're looking at the apostles, like Paul said, I I come knowing Christ and Christ crucified, and that's that's it. I didn't come with you know crazy stories and jokes and being entertaining and whatever it is. And I think that that's another thing that I like about expository preaching, just in general, is just it's. It's about the word of God. It's not about the pastor. And, and anybody who's qualified could go in and give the sermon. And it, sh- it should be the same from pastor to pastor to pastor, essentially. So it's not right. like it's not like we have, like you were saying, it's not like we have new revelation coming in, you know, right. that make the sermons any different, you know. Right. We, uh, I love it when, when you have uh, such fellowship where you hear the same thing from, from you know, locality to locality. Mm-hmm. Because it's it's just what the word says. Yeah. Oh, and, yeah. And that's true growth comes out of that. Right. For you sure. Know. So, OK, yeah. so so I had a question because you brought up Rick Warren earlier. And I know that and I don't want to want to get too much into like the associations and all that kind of stuff. But like but it this question came up because you've got MacArthur that's speaking at or John MacArthur speaking at the National Radio Broadcasters Convention. Right. And in defense of that, Todd Friel had mentioned that Rick Warren's not a false teacher. And so what what's your take on Rick Warren about is he just a misguided pastor or is he an actual legit false teacher? Uh, well, legit and false, that kind of goes <laughs> kind of against each other. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think Todd Friel is absolutely wrong about that. Rick Warren is a Bible twisting false teacher. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I haven't, I haven't seen a scripture that Rick Warren hasn't misapplied ever. And, uh, I think I'm being gracious enough with him, but I, I listen to him, you know, sometimes on my way home from work and I'm like, wow, where did that come from? Mm-hmm. You know, that's not, it's not what that means. You know, so I, I think he is a false teacher. He has drawn a lot of false con, uh, uh, converts, uh, you know, to his methodology, and we see churches still, even though they say the seeker-sensitive movement is dying, there's an awful lot of churches still are buying into that methodology, and along with along with not just Rick Warren, 
uh, you have other false teachers starting to come in. The mystics are coming in and everything in the guise of, of so-called unity. Mm-hmm. So I, I so I think Rick Warren is probably, uh, I don't know about the most dangerous uh, person in the 20th and 21st centuries, but he's up there. He's close. Yeah. You know, because he's such a nice guy. Yeah. He's a lovable guy. He's a guy I'd love to have as my, my dad or my grandfather or something. He's just a, such a joyful kind of guy to be around. Mm-hmm. I've never been around him right. uh, personally, but but uh, but he has done such a disservice in the church. He's uh, caused unity, false unity, and and many churches have been busted up because of the implementation of the purpose-driven church and purpose-driven life. Yeah. What what you know? what what are you, what are your biggest concerns with? the purpose driven life and, and the purpose driven church and that sort of thing. What, what, what's, what's, what are the main things that stick out to you? Well, in a nutshell, uh, do we have a specific purpose? It's, uh, it's, it's almost like there's a custom designed purpose that you were born. Well, I have a purpose. It's to glorify God. Right. You know, I'll, I'll start with there. I'll stay there too. Uh, you know, uh, instead of being, uh, satisfied, you know, like, like me, I, I'm bivocational too. I'm a mailman by day. Well, according to Rick Warren, that's maybe not my purpose. I should be a Hollywood movie star. Right. You're going to find your purpose that makes you happy. Well, I, I think if you find God's purpose in, in keeping to his word, I think you might not always be happy, but you'll be anchored in this life and the life to come as well. Mm-hmm. So I think there's just so much you could get into with the whole the whole purpose-driven life and purpose-driven church that I think uh, any time you you have here wouldn't do do it just right for sure. Now yeah. now in in what ways? Because I know you know we're talking about like the per you know our purpose and you know in all reality when you're dealing with a lot of like the self-help gurus and that sort of thing that's really what it sounds like. It sounds right, like a Tony exactly. Robbins kind of a kind of a deal. Um, which, which I think to a certain, to a certain point, it has its place in the sense of, you know, you don't, you know, get rid of your self limitations and don't limit yourself. But at the same time, it doesn't mean that God is ordaining you with a, with a certain purpose that it's like a mystery you have to find kind of a thing. Right. Um, but in what way is, is that, or is he compromising the gospel? Because I feel like if, if we're going to, if we're going to say he's a false teacher and that sort of thing, in what ways is that? compromising the gospel uh in mostly because again the the focus is on on what you do you know rather than what christ has done and he'll mention it sometimes he'll it'll the gospel will show up on occasion but you know like for instance the the one that stands in my mind is is a message on the crucifixion it wasn't about what Christ did. It wasn't about him dying and bury, uh, being buried and rising again. It was all about all these the different aspects of it, how that can improve your life. You right. know, I mean, it's a, I forgot who I heard it from, but it, it's so true. If it were just about purpose and life improvement, uh, you might as well be a Muslim because the Muslim faith is growing. Yeah. You know, so... Yeah, and, you know, and, and I think you know one of my favorite uh, quotes from John MacArthur is that Jesus didn't die to you know have you know, Jesus didn't die to for you to have a nice day, and Amen. it's like and yep. it's like 
that I th- I feel like sums it all up with the whole Rick Warren thing is just, right. you know, I feel like that it's just a completely different focus. Well, you know, uh, one of the uh, the greatest things, I don't, do you have, you married with kids or anything? No kids, but married. But married. Well, yeah. just think when you have kids, eventually when you have kids, you know, one of the highest callings you could have in life is to nurture those kids and, you know, change diapers. Mm-hmm. That's that's a calling from God. That's a vo- a God given vocation. Right. And I, I think what happens in the purpose driven thing, that would say that's oh, you could need to step away from from that. God has a, a bigger plan for you. He has a, a great adventure. Uh, he wants you to be a pioneer and do great things, great exploits for him. Again, taking taking scripture out of context. Right, exactly. Rather rather than uh ministering to uh, your family and your neighbor, your church, etc. Mm-hmm. Now, now, why do you why do you think that so many of we'll call them the quote unquote like good pastors? Why do you why do you feel like so many of them have g- either given him a pass or have lent him their credibility? I mean, there's you know you can run down the list of the people that speak with them on a regular basis at conferences. Why why do you think that that's happening? And what I guess where should pastors be when it comes to those kinds of associations and credibility and that sort of thing? Well, I, I hate to think of it this way, but I, I think it's a lot about uh, losing people in their congregations and offending and and the bottom line falling. Uh, you know, it's I think it comes down to that. Uh, how much money is coming in uh, and losing that. Uh, one one church in our area uh, that has strongly gone to the the Rick Warren model. It's a, it's an assembly of God. You wouldn't know it though, mm-hmm. because cross denominationally, uh, so many churches are changing over. They're transforming into the, the uh, this model. Uh, I found out their building costs thirty six thousand a month. Just for the mortgage, and our, our prices are cheaper than out there. Yeah, and not much, but yeah. <laughs> you know the Boston area is pretty is up there as well. I think at thirty six thousand a month, that's like more than our what we have a year. Mm-hmm. And you have to keep on generating that revenue. You know, it's it's crazy. Yeah, and, and the uh, I've read some of the Purpose Driven Life. I I, I put it down pretty quickly though. But it is—it's captivating. Mm-hmm. It, it's a—it's—it's uh, it's attractive. It's—it feels good. It, it really does, and I because I remember I that was one of I had to read that in college because I went to college for Christian ministries and that sort of thing. That was one of our assigned readings, um, which was great. Um, but it, <laughs> but the thing is, is that it it does it does read well. It, like it, yeah. it is one of those things where it's like there's enough Bible verses in there. Mm-hmm. There's a there's enough truth in there where you're like. Okay, that that makes sense, and it's kind of like what we we're talking about earlier about some of the cults. And I'm not, and I'm not saying Rick Warren's a cult leader or whatever right, it is, right. but it's the same kind of strategy. It's the blending of truth and error, and then you accept enough of it, and then you can build on top of that, and build on top of that, and right. build on top of that. I mean, even so much that you know, we, you know, I think it was Rick Warren that called the Pope our father, and that we're, you know. Yeah. Catholics are saved just as, you know, Protestants are saved and that we need to come up, come back together and all that kind of stuff. And it's just how, how in the world when they don't even believe in the right gospel. Right. Exactly. And, and then 
addressing Muslims for his uh, his health care initiative mm-hmm. that we're all together. We're all the same. Yep. Have the same God. It's uh, it's just amazing. Yeah. That that uh, yeah, the ecumenical uh, doors have been swung wide open, and it's uh, going full bore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, know, and, through, and, and I think through, that... through through purpose driven life, through through the social justice movement, it's all all firing on straight ahead. Right, and I and I think that that was kind of one of the concerns with, and I don't know how much of it you were following along with, but with that whole you know James White issue with the interfaith dialogue with the Muslim imam. Not, I'm not. It's not to say that James White was being ecumenical in his mind, or that he's saying that we're equal or whatever it is. But it's it's that concern of of them trying to infiltrate into the church and actually bringing them into the church. And we've we've seen that a lot with Rick Warren. Um, right. And so that's why I think why it was so shocking seeing somebody as credible and as knowledgeable and smart as somebody like James White essentially doing the same thing without saying that we believe in the same God. Right. So, the, uh, yeah, I, I followed that, you know, when it first happened and everything and, and I kind of stayed in the middle for most of it. But then as, as the attacks kept on going against us specifically against, against Brandon house and the, uh, and all the people dropping off of him and supporting white, I was like, what are they doing? You know, can't they, can't they look at this uh, objectively and see that yes, White might not have had any intention of uh, causing any kind of uh, problem like that, but he should have known better. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's one of those practical wisdom things. He should have known better that this was gonna gonna happen, even if he had the right motives. Yeah, yeah, and I think, and I think that that's kind of where I feel like, just in general, with the church. I feel like a lot of people they're focused on or they basically are or I guess they're pragmatic in the sense of the ends justify the means. And right. it's like, well, the gospel is preached so that makes the x y and z okay. It's like but x y and z are wrong. Right. You know what I mean? Even if you did preach the gospel, x y and z is still wrong. And I and right. I think that, you know, whether it's seeker sensitive, that the same excuse is used for seeker sensitive. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, we're getting non-Christians in, the, in there and we're preaching the gospel and they're hearing the gospel for the first time. And it's like, but does that make it right? No, right. Uh, yeah, one of the one of the famous mantras of like the whole secret sensitive is we'll do anything short of sin to get people closer to God. Mm-hmm. To which my reply is, well, you, you're twisting scripture, you're taking things out of context, that's sin. Yep. <laughs> Not properly dividing the word of God. That's sin. You're bringing them to a, a gospel of uh, I got to surrender my life, and and God is going to make my finances or whatever get better. So that's usually the gospel presentation. Mm-hmm. It's it's a little uh, a sermonette, and uh, and and you trust Christ, and your marriage is going to go well. Well, when when that doesn't happen, what do people do? They don't blame the church they went to. They say, well, I tried God. And God let me down. I'm not going to be a Christian, right? So that's that. So that's a danger in that inherent in the whole system, mm-hmm, for sure. And so, so dealing with, let's say, dealing with with seeker sensitive and that sort of thing, um, I for me, I feel like one of my concerns with that is that we're dealing with the church is supposed to be a body of believers. Amen. It's, it's not supposed to be an evangelical event, although people can get saved 
in church. Right. Amen. But it's supposed to be for the believer. And I feel like virtually all the big name churches and, vir- and even a lot of the non-big name churches, their focus is on the non-believers because that's how you're going to build your church up. So from a, but from a biblical standpoint, what, what, what's the, (laughs) what's the precedent on the church being for Christians versus non-Christians and, and that sort of thing? Like what's, what's the focus of church, you know, really supposed to be? Uh, uh, Ephesians chapter four, it's for the building up of the saints, the edification of the saints until we all come to the, into the unity of the faith. And uh, man, that, that's going to take a lot of work right there, even for Christians in a in a church. Mm-hmm. Everybody has everybody has all their different individual uh, uh, quirks and sins and problems. So the idea is to get everybody on the same page with Christ and the gospel, and then go from there, and then empower the people in the church that they can go out and and go into the world and the community around them to do so. So evangelism is important, but if if you're gonna use all these uh, these wrong methods to evangelize, and you're bringing them into a church that's that's teaching wrongly, what have you done? You've yeah. made you've made people more of a a child of hell, right? You know, so it's it, it's it's a tough one sometimes. Mm-hmm. But, but again, I go back to the consistency of, of the Word of God. For sure. 100%. And sticking with that. 100%. Now, now what, what do you think is the – what is the proper mode or the proper uh, focus of evangelism? Because I feel like what's happened right now within the church is that everybody's just focused on inviting your friends to church. And right, so right. that that's considered evangelism. So – Obviously, if the church is for the saints, not for the non-Christians, how should the church be doing its evangelism? Well, we, you know, I'll, I'll just ask for an example. We, we keep gospel tracts. We distribute those. We pass out New Testaments to the area. Uh, but I'm not going to have a, a, an all-out rock and roll show to attract them to come in. And our Sunday morning service and Wednesday night consists of the Bible. And, you know, what, what I find so amazing is is that the, when the Bible is taught, it's the, that is powerful. The Word of God is powerful. It can cut into a, a, belie- a non-believer as well as the believer. Right. The gospel message has, has a way of doing that. But as far as evangelism, uh, we leave it up to people. We, you know, give them give them material tracts and, like I said, New Testaments, and and equip them to know all to know doctrine mm-hmm. as they go. And uh, it's amazing. And then you don't get as many false uh, conversions. You know, I think uh, what is it like half of the, I think fifty percent of people that walk an aisle, you know. All right, actually get saved, yeah, and even less follow up with baptism, you know. So I'd rather see somebody believe the gospel and be rooted in that, and then being able to to pass that along to others as they go. Mm-hmm. For sure. Now, what do you what do you think is is one of the what do you think is the biggest thing that the church is facing right now that we need to rectify or make right or fix? 
like fr- from your perspective, being a, you know a pastor in your church, and then looking out at what's going on, what what do you think that needs to be fixed overall in the overall church? I I think we touched on it earlier today. It's getting back to the Bible, you know. It's that tagline, putting the Bible back into church. I think I think the Bible has to be first. Of course, uh, of course the. Uh, I need to preface that saying the the proper Jesus Christ of the Bible should be put first. Getting the Bible back into being taught and uh, being the most important thing in in a church service, rather than separating the worship service from the teaching. It's right. all part of worship. Yep. And in fact, I was gonna I was gonna send a tweet out today. We we do mostly congregational singing. Mm-hmm. With a with a few songs, you know, a few special songs, solos and stuff, uh, along with that. But for the most part, I was going to put this out today, and I never got a chance to. I was going to put it out that you know, congregational singing is a, a check and a balance against church being a performance. Yeah, because it's not. It's coming together mm-hmm. in in the name of Jesus Christ and and knowing of Him. And, and all of his glories rather than all of our glories. Yeah, 100%. And so if, if, if you're talking to somebody, let's say, let's say they are, you know, in a church and they're not preaching expositionally or they're in a church and they are seeker sensitive or whatever that may be, what's your advice to them? Is it get out? Is it talk to your pastor? Is it try to fix things from within? What, what's your advice to somebody like that uh depends on depends on the person and depends on the church they're in there's some there's some churches of that that type that are just so far gone i say get out of there you know like what they teach it run mm-hmm. and of course you have to show them from from the scriptures you know show them in context what you know what they're hearing is wrong and uh so it's it it's all a matter of patience mm-hmm it, it breaks my heart to, you know, I, I have, I have relatives and friends that, you know, that, that go to churches and they think it's, well, it's because it's, I'm, they're not in my church that I don't, don't like that. I said, no, it's, it's about teaching. Find a, find a church that teaches the Bible, that it extols the virtues of Christ and not you. Mm-hmm. That's where it all, all hinges. Right. For sure, and and so when you're and then when you're looking at you know pastors to recommend or books to recommend or that sort of thing, who are some of the people that you point to where where if somebody feels like okay, I'm not getting the Bible teaching that I feel like I should be getting from my church, um, who, who do you point to to for that starting starting to begin to learn that knowledge and that understanding as they're trying to find a new church? Like who who are some of the pastors that you would recommend? I think today, uh, one of my favorite uh, pastors is a good old independent Baptist pastor, David Cloud, is one I totally recommend. He's uh, the same dispensational in theology. He has a uh, he has a uh, a good perspective on uh, the aberrant religions and movements in the church. He's one of my my go to guys. Uh, I, I like the the writings of Dave Hunt. Wish mm-hmm. he was still around today. One of the first one of the first books I ever read as a believer was was uh, 
was America the sorcerer's, sorcerer's new apprentice dealing with the New Age movement and uh, and some of his his books then and again they're they're timeless they're uh, boy they were written in the 1980s and 1990s but they're they're so true today because he stuck with the biblical implications and and the things that were coming down the pipe yeah for sure and you know so and, I, yeah you know go ahead I, I said I, I personally look at a variety of different things I I read uh, different different things I like to read some of the Puritans even though I don't believe in uh, Puritan soterology or or some of their practices to get some wisdom from them uh, etc uh, and it's 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 pretty good that way right right for sure and so so when you're when we're when we're looking at a lot of the people that most people look up to, you know, the, the big names, the guys at the big conferences and, and that sort of thing is, are, are, are those people, you know, whether it's the MacArthur's or the Pipers or the Molers or whatever it is, do you, do you feel like there's really any big name pastors that we should be recommending or are we concerned about them all? Like what, what's your take on all that kind of stuff? It's, it's getting muddier and muddier as we go, isn't it? Yeah. You know, I, I, I love, I love John MacArthur's, uh, uh, especially his pastoral, uh, writings, you know, uh, dealing with what the role of a pastor is and everything. Yeah, wonderful. I'm concerned about the direction with social justice and now the whole, uh, rigmarole of uh, the financial stuff going on and everything. They're, they're fallible humans, mm-hmm. you know, but, uh, uh, the mainline it seems like all the mainline guys are are starting to go off the off the rails somewhere. Mm-hmm. You know, David Jeremiah, I I liked him. Here he is sharing the same stage with the with the Roma Downey, yep. and endorsing endorsing her. It's like where does it end? Yeah, you know, you know John Piper and Christian hedonism. It's like what. <laughs> I, I've ne- I've never understood I've never understood no. the Christian hedonism and I've never understood his teaching on uh, final salvation. Like yeah. those yeah. two things are like my biggest concerns in it. Right. I just I it just doesn't make sense because I feel like you're you're changing the gospel, and if you're changing the gospel, is it really the gospel at all? And you know, John Piper, we all look up to. We've all you know read his books and looked up to him and whatever it is. But what are we supposed to do with that? Yeah, and and then his uh, appearance within the Passion Conference over the last several years, you mm-hmm. know, it's like, all right, why? Yeah. Well, how, well, how how much stock do you put in in <coughs> what pastors speak with what pastors? Because I feel like there's two there's two camps with that. Sometimes with depending on who you're talking to, it's it's no big deal as long as they preach the truth. And then, and then yeah. you've got the other side where it's, you know, if they even see each other in the airport, that's, it's raw. You know what I mean? Like what, where's the line? I think the line's in the middle someplace. If you, if you're invited to go some, like I mentioned, Dave Hunt, uh, uh is this a great video of him from like 1987? He was invited by Jimmy Swagger to go preach it at a conference there and what did he preach events he preached against the word of faith yep. and prosperity he was basically kicked out after that i would assume but, yeah <laughs> <laughs> but he he took the opportunity and said all right they want me to come 
all right, I'm going to go. Right. But I'm not going to hold back. I'm going to teach the truth. I think that's that's the difference, you mm-hmm. know. I have a I had something kind of interesting myself. Uh, I was somebody. It was a somebody from Pakistan that I communicated with on occasion. He asked me if I would do a a uh, uh, a healing crusade uh, via via uh, Facebook you know, live, you know, mm-hmm. to a, a group, and it's a couple hundred people or so gathered in the city square. I said, "Listen, I'm, if you're looking for a healing crusade." Uh, I'm not going to teach people about divine healing. Ultimately, you have a healing when you have your glorified body with the Lord, but I can't teach that. And uh, he came back. He said, well, would you do it? It was like, didn't you hear what I said? <laughs> he said, would you do it? Well, well I was ready to, to go. And uh, I and uh, we had Internet failure connection, so it didn't happen. Mm-hmm. You know, but but yet there was a case there. You know, I contacted a couple of people and said, you know, what do you think about this? Should I do this? You know, and uh, especially especially live, I told them, I said, you know, at least at least there would only be virtual tomatoes and stuff thrown at me for what I'm going to say. Right. But uh, but I, I think it depends on on the situation. Mm-hmm. You know, what are you going there for? You know, if you know, if you go in there to uh, to preach the gospel and and your message contradicts everybody else i think you got to go with the message right instead of being like balak uh or balaam rather and, mm-hmm. and uh bringing a false message you know and then having god slap you around later exactly you don't you don't you yeah. don't want to mess with that at all right. but yeah. but you know but like when you're looking at a lot of these you know big name pastors and that sort of thing there's you know you've got obviously you've got the piper endorsing rick warren that's bad right but then, right. you, but then you've got you know, you know, more solid pastors that are pre that are preaching alongside guys like Tim Keller, who's reformed a little bit. Um, yeah, yeah. But you know, you know, that's not as blatant, let's say, as Piper and Rick Warren. But it's still questionable. Like how how much how much stock do you put in? If if they're speaking together, are they endorsing that ministry? If they're not directly contradicting, like like where where is that line? Because I feel like that's part of what we're seeing in the church is all the, all the good guys are now speaking with all the bad guys, and it's like how do we weigh what's right and what's wrong? Yeah, they, it seems like they do a lot on, under the guise of neo Calvinist. You know, it's what Tim Keller would probably be classified as, and he has slapped that name on. Seems like you have. Was it you that said the good old boys club? Yeah, that, that's that's that's. <laughs> I get I get in trouble for saying that. <laughs> oh, I know, I know. I, I, but uh, it seems like if you just slap a tag on, everybody invo- and endorses you, no matter what your doctrine is. Mm-hmm. And so Tim Keller Keller is a giant in the in the gospel coalition, of course, and a giant in social justice. Yeah, and uh, I'm not. I haven't listened to him in a while. I don't know if he'd know the gospel if it hit him. Yeah. Nowadays. Yeah, which which, you know? which is really weird and concerning to me when we're dealing when we're talking about issues like the Gospel Coalition because you ha- you have so many guys that are board members and you know leadership within that organization that are traditionally good. I mean, you've got you know Al Mohler that speaks at Shepherd's Conference every year. You've got you know Piper's traditionally been good historically, you know, speaking. I mean, you've got a lot of you know big names there but then you do have tim keller and it's like 
what 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 do we do with that? Is that is that an endorsement because it's it's you know shared ministry? Like you know that's the confusion that I find that we're seeing in the church right now, and it's 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 confusing. It's concerning, you know. Yeah, the uh, I th- I think the answer is to, to kind of avoid all those coalitions and conventions and everything. Look at the the SBC has fallen apart. It really is. It's it's so divided and everything and. Let's let's make uh, the churches all autonomous and all all accountable unto God on their own. You know, mm-hmm. glad I don't have to go to Tim Keller for authority or yeah. or anybody. You know, the authority comes from the Word of God, and and uh, you you called as a pastor to to shepherd that flock. Mm-hmm. So it's it's tough. A lot of tough questions, but the uh, the real answer is again back sticking with the scriptures it really is what it says back when back when i was in the uh, assembly of god uh this kind of goes along with this we in our district at district council that's where you'd have the your yearly meeting to take care of district-wide things we had one failing church and uh they they decided to vote to give that church two million dollars well that church lost so much money because the because of the pastor's waste, right. and you know, they shouldn't have bailed them out. They should have been. They should have let this let that church go. I don't know where it is now, but uh, but I believe that the church should be autonomous, accountable to God, and accountable to one another. You know, mm-hmm. as far as the body. Right. <coughs> Excuse me. No, you're good. Yeah. Yeah, no, and I and I totally agree because because I'm finding more more and more issues with like you were saying the coalitions, the denominations, and and it's just you know I I, I saw somebody was saying that within like the SBC you know because there's a lot of talk of a lot of churches are stepping away from the SBC and because of a lot of their compromise that we've been seeing with the ERLC and all that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. but. From what I understand, you know, there's there's a good amount of churches where the SBC owns their church property or, right. you know, and you're kind of almost forcing them to choose between, okay, you can either stay and compromise with us or you can go and you're going to have to find a new place for your church home. And it's like, is that really the way that we should be setting up the church in America today? And, I, you know, I, I'm with you there because it's like right. – Let's let's just get back to you know we're we're accountable to our elders we're accountable to our pastor and we're accountable to God you know right. Amen for sure so um so then kind kind of you know in closing a little bit as well like what when we're dealing with the gospel because we've we've been mentioning that a lot and I feel like that's one major area that's missing in the church if you know I wanted to give you a chance to to you know, explain the gospel. So if there's anybody, you know, listening, that's either not a Christian or they go to church, but maybe they haven't heard it either in a long time, or they haven't even heard it. If wanted to give you a chance to kind of just share that. Amen. Well, the gospel is, is very simple. The gospel, according to first Corinthians chapter 15, the first six verses says that Jesus Christ died according to the scriptures he was buried according to the scriptures, and he rose again according to the scriptures. That is the that is the gospel in a nutshell. Why did he do all that? Well, he did all that because we are a fallen race. Adam's sin has been 
has been transferred to each and every single human being. And there's only one solution, the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And he shed his blood on that cross as a gift. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that whosoever believeth on him will have eternal life. That is the gospel in a nutshell. I would invite anybody who who doesn't know whether they're saved or not just to examine themselves. Do you believe the simple gospel? I I say this in the church all the time. Jeff, in closing, I I always say this same thing. I say to believers and non-believers, believe the gospel. This is where our life comes from. Otherwise, we have no life. He who has the Son has life. He who has not the Son has not life. And that's for the church, and it's for non-believers as well to believe. So what a wonderful thing it is. It, it really is, and I think that that's, that's the perfect way to close, I think. But uh, so where, you know, and, and, anybody, and anybody who's watching, I strongly encourage you, you know, if you haven't placed your faith in Christ, do it. Obviously, Amen. you know, reach out to a pastor. If you have questions, reach out to, you know, you can find me, you can find Bob, you can find it, you know, any of us and ask questions. We'll, we'd be glad to help or, you know, anything along those lines. Um, how, how can people find you? And cause I know you're pretty active on Twitter and, you know, like your, your web, you know, church website and all that, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Well, you can find, uh, you can find us at, uh, www.godsgracebiblechurch.com dot net dot org will all work as well and also on on twitter at uh, ggbc 01527 and also on on facebook we're there it's a uh, facebook slash god's grace bc and uh and uh just love to hear some comments and and uh hear hear from people that maybe may have heard this and uh it's this has been great oh yeah for I'm sure not, it, it, I'm it, not used to I'm not used to the doing the online thing. So yeah. hey, hey it, it's it's been fun. I really enjoyed it. And and for any anybody that's out there, make sure that you you can follow me at Jeff the GK on Twitter, or you can go to uh, I've got the website GatekeepersOnline.com. Uh, I've got myself, uh, my buddies uh, Dustin and Shu that also write there, so you can check all that kind of stuff out. But I really appreciate this time and just you taking the time to sit down and we can talk through these issues. And I think that. A lot of this is really what's lacking in the church is, you know, you've got the, the lack of Bible teaching, the lack of the gospel. And I just am appreciative of pastors like you that are just, you know, in the trenches and just preaching the word consistently. It's 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 important. Amen. We're we're sort of in the eye of a storm. There's so many different things assaulting the the church and the gospel around. So the best thing to do is to, to stand firm for sure on it. So. Definitely. Well, th- thank you so much, and I, I really appreciate it, and we'll have to do it again sometime. Oh, well, oh, it'd be great, so. Yeah, definitely. Well, th- well, well, thanks. Thank you very much. Yeah. 
The holidays are a moment of togetherness and joy and a reminder of how tradition creates happy and fulfilled communities. Make this holiday season patriotic with a visit to National Harbor and its stunning new Spirit Park. Marvel at one of the largest American flags in the region and beautiful displays of American art. Make this holiday season the most meaningful of all at National Harbor. Learn more at nationalharbor.com dash spirit park. You can live a long, healthy life if you're HIV positive. With the current treatments, we can get patients down to being undetectable. The array of options is so much greater today. U equals U. Undetectable equals untransmittable. If someone who's HIV positive, they're taking their medication, they're undetectable, they're not able to pass HIV to their partners. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Your HIV treatment is their prevention. Get more information at doitforyoumc.org.